Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Health Simple Show. I'm your host, Kyle Reedhead, and I interview health and wellness experts from around the world to help you live healthy, happy, and stress-free. Enjoy the next show. Dr. Molly Malouf, is that how you say it correctly? Yes. Okay, perfect. This is a medical doctor and entrepreneur from Silicon Valley. Uh, she's not your average doctor, though. Uh, it's not too often that you hear doctors say that food is medicine um, and that, you know, is, is trying to optimize health rather than, you know, fix illness. Uh, I think that's kind of the route that, that you've taken from everything I've seen from your, you know, social media to all your, you know, blogs and everything else that's out there on you. Um, what was it that, that made you take that route when you were in med school? Um, when I was in medical school, I was really not that healthy, frankly. I wasn't taking great care of myself. I was studying constantly. Um, and I was just pretty much sacrificing everything for my studies. And um, I was really unhappy. I wasn't, like, sure I wanted to be a doctor anymore because it was so – it was I was so stressed out and I was so miserable. And so um, I went to a psychologist and he said – you know, you're not clinically depressed or anxious. You just really don't take good care of yourself and you need to manage your stress better. And so I started to do that. And in the process of adding yoga and meditation and better sleep habits and better eating habits into my life, um, my test scores went up, my performance improved. And I basically just like began thriving. And it occurred to me that like there was a science to this that needed to be, needed to be talked about. Um, so I started studying evidence-based lifestyle medicine yeah and so when you were in med school and i was listening to another podcast uh of you the other day and you were in med school you dropped out of your residency residence program oh that? i was in residency yeah yeah um i left my residency halfway through i got my license i got everything i needed to get licensed but i definitely did not stay in the hospital because we were feeding children cake and candy who had cancer and i was like if medicine doesn't understand the first principles of how bodies function uh and they believe that like the solution is just drugs and surgery for everything then yeah. this isn't the kind of job that i want to have and so i was very fortunate to meet doctors who were optimizing health for a living and over the next three years i began working with two two physicians who basically helped me finish my residency in some way um they they were my mentors and they gave me the opportunity to work with them and from that, I was able to um, really learn about how to make a person healthier um, through a science-based approach. Yeah, and so this is termed, I guess, functional medicine versus conventional medicine. I mean, medicine, functional is medicine is a tool, um, but it's not the only form of medicine that I practice. It's a big part of it, but um, in some ways, I try to be a few steps ahead of the curve. So even though I use functional medicine, I'm also interested in um, lifestyle, very much so and also wearable technology that enables a person to understand and track different markers of their health in real time. Okay. So things like continuous glucose monitoring and continuous heart rate variability monitoring are really, really valuable tools. Yeah, for sure. And so you're, you're in Silicon Valley, so you, I mean, you're seeing all the new, you know, the new health technologies that come out there. Other than wearables, what are some of the things that, that really stand out to you right now? Um, I think that's something that it, like I haven't done myself, but I'm kind of interested in is this idea of banking different forms of your cells over different periods of time in your life to have access to um, essentially like a healthy supply of 
your own tissue in the event that you need it. So the idea would be if you have your core blood or if you have your blood from when you were a child, you'll be able to have access to your immune system at that time. And essentially there's this belief that you might be able to reprogram your immunity later on in life. Um, there's also this discussion around like your microbiome, having a bank of your microbiome before versus after antibiotic exposure could enable you to repopulate your gut with your own biome uh. um, if you were to need to do that. So I'm really fascinated by this and I, I probably should bank my, my um, bone marrow at this point, but it's, <laughs> it's fairly expensive at this point. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've seen quite a bit about this. Is this kind of like stem cell or is this different? It's more about having a supply of your own cells that, yes, some of them are stem cells, but also yeah. just um, it's like this imprint of your body it's at, a, at a stage in your life. And um, we have so much to learn about whether or not this is going to be useful, but I think that it's a decent investment. But again, the science needs to be proven. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is that where you kind of step in and you help with that or you just kind of work on like an advisory role with um, a lot of these I mean, organizations? No, there's these companies come to me to tell me about what they do, but I don't advise all of them. Um, yeah. This company called Forever Labs has been dying to get me to work with them, and I really need to meet with them, but um, have it, I just haven't made it, uh, made it yet. <laughs> just, just too but, busy. Yeah. I mean, there's also just a ton of innovation happening in, like, cancer genetics as well as microbiome testing. Um, there's so many companies that are working on developing new products and services around the microbiome. I spent some time yesterday with um, GSK, and uh, egg strategy talking through what would be potential products for like a mass market um, digestion enhancement line so okay. stay tuned for what that will be on the shelves of walgreens someday in the future <laughs> but I, I like the idea that like these big these big giant companies are actually really starting to think um about what's possible which is kind of cool yeah for sure give us a little inside scoop what does that that look like uh with the supplement um, well, my idea, if it's a supplement yeah I'm a big believer that we need to optimize the microbiome of our mouths because, okay. you know, digestion, digestion begins in the mouth. So uh, I, I suggested that they come up with a line of probiotic uh, toothpaste, floss, and gum uh. and mouthwash that would enable you to, over time with use, um, optimize the, the, the landscape of your oral microbiome. That is a good idea. Never thought of that. You know, I eat food way too fast that I don't even think I get any digestion in the mouth anyway. You gotta, gotta chew. You gotta, you gotta chew, chew, I know. Food, man. It's just when I was younger I always wanted to I always wanted to gain size, gain weight, so I just try to crush as much pasta as I possibly could, which is the worst thing for the for the well, gut remember, microbiome. But remember though that if you if you chew you'll actually assimilate more food. So you'll assimilate more protein if you chew it. Yeah, it's just a habit from being younger. It's something I got to work on for sure. <laughs> it's just habits. You can change your habits. Yeah, exactly. That's that's no problem. I was just talking about the traveling that you've been doing lately. Uh, I, yeah. I've seen it a lot on Instagram, and you've been kind of updating your stories on on things that you've noticed and and different things going on. So I just wanted you to talk about that a little bit, where you've been and and what stood out to you. Oh yeah, I was in Israel, um, yeah. in Tel Aviv, and and in Jerusalem, and. You know, when you go to other countries, you're, it's really interesting because you get a totally different perspective on what healthy looks like. Yeah. And I think we have like this very um, in, weirdly inflated version of what health looks like in America because we like to exaggerate everything. So you see women that are changing their bodies in order to appear as fertile as possible. You know, all the Kardashians have had surgeries to amplify their breasts and their butt and their faces. 
to just really exaggerate these these like these like um, specific markers of fertility. And I don't think that like it's a healthy movement around beauty. And um, and I think that the bodybuilding movement also has some issues too because yeah. there's just a lot of exaggerated physiques. And you get to Israel and everyone is super fit there. And really? everyone's had to serve in the army. And so people have like a very um, healthy physique. They look like adapted humans because, you know, they, they eat ridiculous quantities of vegetables in every meal. It's just a big part of their diet. Um, and they all, they all, they're all very lean and they're all very like, they look like they look muscular, but they're not like exaggerated muscular, like American, American bodybuilders are. So I think that they're a healthier country in a, in a lot of ways, but Again, there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of problems with the politics. But aside from that, like, I was really impressed with how healthy most people were. Now, there's a lot more smoking in the Middle East than there is in America, I, I, I would say. Um, I went to Lebanon after this, and I was just astonished at how much people smoked. Really? But yet everyone's really lean there. I mean, there's not a lot of obesity in both of these countries. Um, people don't walk as much in Lebanon as they do in Israel, and there's a lot more pollution but um, their diets are really, really healthy. And I think it's just a great example of how a country with a healthy diet can actually mitigate a lot of the other problems that they don't, like a lot of the fact that they don't move as much as we do, a lot of the fact that they don't, um, that they, they smoke so much, like they eat tons and tons of, um, of herbs. And I think all of those herbs and phytonutrients in their diet, the um, this parsley, the za'atar, um, I think it actually like really does mitigate a lot of the damage that they do through other things. Wow. Are they... Are they eating a lot less processed foods as well, or is it similar to the diet you know, see in America? I saw a lot of American brands, which was not super inspiring at all. But yeah. at the same time, there's um, there's a lot of like traditional foods being eaten there, and that they they do have a really healthy food culture, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, because I, I was just in Peru, and I, I expected to see a lot of you know seafood and you know ceviche and things like that, and. And it was just a lot of sugar and processed foods. And, really? And it, yeah, it was not a healthy, like everywhere you went, Where? especially outside of, outside of Lima. Lima was, was relatively healthy, but anywhere outside of that, because we kind of drove up the coast, uh, wow. surfing all on the coast, and it was, it was really bad. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think it was just there's a lot of readily available packaged foods, and that's kind of what I've heard that like, food in Peru is incredible, but I also just don't know if it's like, do you, know, do you have to know where to go? Like you got to know where to go Mexico. or you got to be in Lima, yeah. basically. Yeah. What about Cusco? I've heard Cusco good th has good things. Cusco had really good food, too. Yeah. Cusco was awesome. Yeah. That, that's like the coolest city ever. If anyone, if you haven't been to Cusco, go to Cusco. It's, yeah. it's just, it's I gotta unreal. Go. So speaking of traveling, uh, I don't know if you do this, but anytime I travel, I fast. Um, yeah. I'm going to be on an airplane because no, I, I don't want to eat the food there. Uh, that was something you were doing while you were traveling as well? Yeah. I fasted on the way there, and then I fasted in between uh, – I fasted for a day um, in between, like, the group that I was with for the first part of uh, Israel and then the second part. And then I fasted for another day between Israel and Lebanon. And then I fasted for another day between, uh, actually, uh, two days from Israel to um, Iceland to America. So I fasted for maybe a total of five days during almost two and a half weeks. Um, and I think it really was super helpful for me to adjust. I didn't have a single bit of jet lag. Yeah. Um, my digestion was great. I had tons of energy. There was maybe one day in the afternoon where I was tired, but that's because we were sleep deprived. Um, aside from that, I felt really, really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fasting, I, I absolutely, I've only started it this year. Have you been doing it for a while? 
Um, I actually just started doing it this year, and it was one of my Did goals you? at the beginning of the year. It was one of my health goals that I had set for myself. I set like tons and tons of New Year's resolutions. So I have resolutions in um, in health and uh, and experiences and um, you know relationships and intellectual pursuits and education and career. So you know you name it, I've got a resolution. And yeah. um, so fasting was a big one that I wanted to implement because I had a hypothesis that if I fasted more, I would lower my fasting glucose. And I'd lowered my postprandial glucose through diet, but my fasting glucose was still wasn't as low as I wanted it to be. And I want like really tight glucose control, right? So I ended up uh, started slowly implementing it. And I met this guy, Phil Libin. He's a friend of mine. And he um, is this entrepreneur. Co he co-founded Evernote. He's in, working in AI now. Super Correct. smart dude. And he lost 85 pounds fasting. Wow. And I was like, what? And he was super chill about it. It was like not a big deal for him. <laughs> and I was like, and, and so like I've always associated fasting with being hangry. And what I found is that becoming more fat adapted actually made it easier for me to fast mm -hmm. because I was able to tap into my fat stores more effectively. And then starting with intermittent fasting and then going into like a 24 hour fast made it a lot easier as well. So um, to me, like fasting is actually like a magical, magical tool for anti-aging, for improving your skin, for improving your body composition, for improving your brain function, for improving your focus and attention, increasing BDNF. I mean, you name it. It's like, there are so many benefits to fasting. So I, I just think it's like, it's gotta be a part of our evolution that we return to this rather yeah. than like people eat all the time every day. It's not healthy to do that. No, not at all. Now, have you, have you experimented with intermittent fasting? So let's say, you know, 16 off, yeah. 18 on and yeah. longer. What's the longest you've done? And what do you, what do you think between the two if more long lasting fasting and intermittent fasting? Um, well, they have different benefits, right? So an intermittent fast is going to deplete a lot of your glycogen stores, especially if you exercise. And you will get into mild ketosis, but you're not going to get into the therapeutic ketotic range that you would need to be if you were trying to fight cancer or epilepsy. Okay. Um, you also don't get nearly as much um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor released until you, do, until, you start, until, until you start doing extended fasts. Um, you also benefit from... So, so there's like a bunch of different things that can happen to you. Um, the immune system benefits also come from like beyond a three-day fast so if you want to regenerate your immune system um, and you want to get the like full cancer fighting benefits they say you want to start doing like a like a four to seven day fast four. now you don't necessarily you don't necessarily need to do that um, multiple times like in a month maybe a few times a year maybe once every um, at the change of seasons yeah but I think that like there I think that we're going to be able to prove that humans can actually dramatically improve immune, immune function if they are um, prepared for fasting. Now, some people who have autoimmunity that are really brittle have a really hard time fasting. And, and in, in fact, a lot of those people need to get to a place of more metabolically, they need to be more metabolically um, stable in order to actually be able to handle a fast. Yeah. Um, but there is research that shows that fasting is really helpful for things like rheumatoid arthritis and irritable bowel disease and inflammatory bowel disease. So again, I think we're, it's kind of like how food is medicine, but like what's the dose and what's the amount and what's the type of food? The same yeah. thing comes with fasting. Fasting is medicine as well, but I think that I'm doing a bunch of research on this right now to find out like what's the right amount of fast for which person and what's the right length. Okay, cool. How, how do you even, how would you go about determining that? Oh, well, first I'm just gonna read all the literature. I mean, yeah. I've got like about 70 pages, 70 papers I need to read right now. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading a lot of papers on the ketogenic diet and fitness 
And I, I'm, I personally think that like fasting is a route to better body composition. Ketogenic diet is a route that you can get into ketosis, but you can get into ketosis a lot faster by just fasting. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like I can get into therapeutic keto, keto range within a few days. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot that we need to do to figure out, figure this the, all out. And I fortunately get paid to do this, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. That's exactly what you want. Now, yeah. so I, w before I started fasting, I started keto as well. And so I, I, cause I mean, I used to eat a lot of carbs, so I, I switched yeah. over, started burning fat. Um, and fasting actually was a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, at first, the first few days, I mean, it, it was kind of difficult getting up in the morning cause I always used to have breakfast right away. Um, yeah. now it's no problem. So is that something you want to start to do is, is switch over to kind of a higher fat diet first? Does that help with intermittent well, with fasting? So I tanked my hormones pretty heavily with, um, with no, not like that bad, but like I did dramatically drop my hormone levels, um, through ketogenic dieting for a month. And I measured oh, yeah? my, my hormone, my, my cycle through, through a cycle map. And it just so happened that I was experimenting with um, ketogenic dieting and, and cycle mapping technology. Yeah. And so I, don't, I think that like ketogenic dieting and low fat dieting can be really helpful, or high fat dieting can be really helpful for women who have insulin resistance, like polycystic ovarian disorder. But I don't have that. I have good insulin sensitivity. So I think that you need to be careful if you're a woman and you go low carb and you have good insulin sensitivity because you can actually stress your body out. And this is also problematic for women who have a lot of high intensity exercise. Um, so I'm not anti-carb. I'm yeah. definitely a I'm the, of the belief that you eat the carbs for what you're sensitive to and what your, what your fuel requirements are. And there are people who eat carbs and, and do just fine. But I do think that eating low fat does make it easier to fast. Yeah. Um, and I think, you, I think as a woman, you need to monitor your hormones. So I'm monitoring my hormones right now. I've actually reintroduced dairy into my diet. I feel really weirdly good on dairy right now. Really? Um, I don't eat a lot of it, but I've been eating labana and like fermented dairy. Okay. And that seems to be, and not, I don't eat a lot of it and I don't eat it even every day, but a little bit here and there is actually, I'm starting to tolerate it again. And okay. part of the reason why I'm careful with dairy is because dairy contains a lot of hormones. So dairy has growth factors. If you're trying to grow, it's a great tool. If you're trying to lose weight, it may not be as useful for you. Um, but for me, who's trying to make, she, make sure that she has normalized hormones, um, dairy can actually improve fertility. So I'm being judicious with it, and I'm monitoring my hormones, and I'm actually, like, measuring everything over time. But I do think that fasting is, um, is a great tool in the toolbox for optimizing health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you find that when you were doing keto, were you able to eat a little bit of carbs and still remain in keto, or were you tracking that as you like that serious? Um, if I ate any, when I was doing keto and I ate carbs, like I had, to, I had to be pretty careful staying under um, like twenty to thirty grams of net carbs because I okay. couldn't stay in ketosis without it. Really? But now, now that I'm more metabolically, now that I'm more metabolically flexible, I can actually. I can actually get into ketosis like pretty, pretty, like a lot faster. So I find myself like I can tell if I'm in ketosis. By the way, my my, my sweat smells. Oh yeah. And so I'll notice that I'm in ketosis from just like the way I'm eating on on accident. Because one of the problems with eating um, keto keto for a month is that you just naturally start eating lower carb. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to do this summer, and I'm kind of afraid to do it, 
is I've got a bunch of friends who eat high, um, high carb, low fat. Okay. And I'm like totally fascinated by the fact that like they seem to be thriving on this. So I might do like a, um, have you guys, have you heard of the medical medium? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So it's this guy who recommends doing like a, a fully produce based diet for a month. Okay. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I wonder what happens if I do that. You know, yeah. like what would happen to my body if I just ate fruits and vegetables for a month? Yeah. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm, I'm thinking about doing this at some point, but I'm kind of terrified of it. So <laughs> yeah, it seems a little, yeah. so, so no meat, no, no dairy, nothing, just fruits and veggies. That's it. Yeah. That's what they recommend. I don't think I would thrive on it, but no, that's um, a tough one. I mean, the fun thing about fasting is that I can actually eat pretty much what I want to eat because, um, I'm not eating that much. So whatever I eat, yeah. I can eat like really rich and delicious meals. And I mean, the restaurants that I eat are, are preparing really healthy food, but some of the meals that I have are pretty extravagant feasts and I don't feel like I have to restrict. Um, I feel like, Oh, I can just fast a few it for a few days. Um, if like, and maybe that is like, I, I guess that is a way of restricting, but it doesn't, I feel like I can eat a bit more. Um, it, for me, what feels like feasting versus fasting. Yeah. And that actually feels better for me because I love food and when I'm eating, I eat. So yeah. like I had tons of tapas, tea, uh, you know, Spanish tapas a few days ago. And I just like, I don't have to feel worried about getting too full occasionally. Like I can have like a really big feast and not worry about my body um, like responding poorly. Whereas yeah. when I would do calorie restriction, consistent calorie restriction, if I had a big feast, I would just put on weight like crazy overnight. And really? I'm noticing that that's not happening as much ever since I started to fast more often. Wow. Yeah, I mean, fasting is, is so powerful. Now, when you, when you fast, is there anything that you do take, whether it's drinking or, I mean, there's nothing Coffee. really you can eat, but is there anything? <laughs> so yeah, you have so there. Right now, you're going to think this is kind of crazy, but right now I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing three-day fasts once a week and every, for, for this month, and I'm, um, I'm implementing different, different tools in the toolbox. Okay. So you're currently fasting right now? Was, yeah. So the, okay. the first, um, the first thing I did last week with my friend Phil was we were just doing coffee and tea with nothing else. Okay. And um, the second week, we're doing a little bit of fat throughout the day. So I had a teaspoon of ghee, I had a tablespoon of cream, and I had two Brazilian nuts and two pecans today so far. And so I'm eating a little bit of fat whenever I get like really really hungry, but not nothing over like a few hundred calories like maybe 200 calories max. Yeah. Um, and then what we're going to do next is we're going to be doing a, um, I'm actually, I think we're going to, I think we're going to limit it to like 150 calories of extra fat during the day. And then what we're going to do next week is we're going to do ketones. Um, here, hold on. Let me show you. I've got the um, exogenous ketones looking in the back. Yeah. Nice. So we're going to be doing this throughout the day. Okay. And what kind is that? Basically this is from this company called human. Okay human ketones. And what we're doing is we're trying to assess like, is the, how hard is the fast with these tools and what does, and, and we're also measuring our blood ketones at 9am at 3pm and 9pm. So we're seeing what happens with our, with our blood ketones as we do these different things. And we're also tracking our exercise. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, and then we're measuring our blood sugar um, so our, through continuous monitoring as well as through um, blood spot testing. That's awesome. Now, are you, are you training the same way as you would when you're fasting to when you're not fasting, or do you switch that up as well? 
No, I just continue to do, I'm just doing like mostly Ashtanga yoga and a little bit of weightlifting. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then I do, you, I do try to walk as much as I can. Yeah. And do you notice any difference in performance or like, do you start to get hungry while you're working out any of that kind of stuff or does it still stay pretty, um, uh, pretty straightforward? Well, I see, I see my ketone levels rise faster the more I exercise. Yeah. And then I also see, um, that like some, I actually feel lighter during Ashtanga. I feel like it's weird. I feel like, um, some days are like better than others, but I actually feel like I have a little bit better performance when yeah. I'm, when I'm fasting. Yeah. I mean, I noticed definitely cognitively performance is, is through the roof, especially in the morning. Um, I mean, I usually have bulletproof coffee, so I'll have some grass fed butter. Uh, I'm going to have ketones as well. And it's like for the next two to three hours, cause I haven't ate for a good 12 hours at that point, And then you have a bit of butter and some ketones. It's like I'm on a next level for the next couple hours. So it's, it's, it's the best thing cognitively, I think in the mornings. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that should be said about keto, ketogenic dieting is that I do know bodybuilders who have went keto and really, really screwed up their hormones. So it can yeah. happen with men too. And, um, and part of the reason why I think this is important to think about is because in order to repair your muscle, you need both amino acids, but you also need the insulin signal, right? So insulin is a growth factor. And I think that for a lot of people who are trying to weight lift, like, you can overtrain your body if you don't give it enough fuel. And I don't think that bodybuilding on just pure ketones is good for everybody. I think that it can mess mm -hmm. up the hormones if you're not careful. So I would, um, I, I think it really goes back to the argument around feeling for the work required. And part of the work required when you're trying to like gain, gain muscle is the work of building the muscle. And the way the muscles are built are that they are torn and they're repaired. And you may not get that repair mechanism as effective without insulin present. So mm -hmm. even though ketogenic dieting is really good for people who are insulin resistant, and that does happen with people who are uh, weightlifters, sometimes you can get insulin resistant. And then of course, going ketogenic is going to be helpful, but you have to measure your hormones and you have to monitor and make sure you're not hurting yourself. Yeah. How many different things are you measuring when you, when you, cause I mean, you're trying out a bunch of different things. What all are you measuring throughout the process? Um, Seems like a I'm lot. measuring my heart rate variability. I am monitoring yeah. my weight. I am monitoring my body composition. I'm monitoring my sleep. I'm monitoring my hormones, my lipids, my blood sugar metabolism, and wow. markers of inflammation and oxidative stress. And then whatever labs people are sending me to do. So, <laughs> Just you whatever know, you like can whatever, find. Whatever cool free labs I get to do from companies that want to test them out. <laughs> nice, that's perfect. So listen, we're, I started we're to use um, um, yeah, this, company, this app called Welltory, which is for heart rate variability. And then I'm probably gonna start doing, using the Aura Ring next. Okay, now is that can, that's just connected to your phone, and you is it a wearable, or is so that just straight to the phone? App for your phone. Yeah. And then um, Aura Ring is a wearable to ring. Okay, cool. So we're we're already at thirty five minutes, and I know you you've got to run. Um, so why don't you give a quick kind of summary or the key point takeaways of, of fasting for everyone? Sure. Um, and then uh, and then we can sign off from there. So the first thing you need to know is that you need to get off of refined carbohydrates and sugar and on a whole foods diet. And the second thing you need to think about is intermittent fasting. So starting like 16, eight, and then move on to 20, 20 hours and four hours eating, and then move on to your first 24 hour fast. And then after you've done that, um, but before you even start the 24 hour fasting, try eating a little bit more low, low carb and then experiment with ketogenic dieting for maybe a couple weeks. Once you feel, you feel like you're fat adapted and you're, you're keto adapted a little bit, 
um, it, it can become easier for you to drop into ketosis through fasting. So then moving on to 24, then 36, 48, and then maybe up to 72. And then if you want to go longer, 96. Um, if you're on diabetic medication, make sure to reduce it during a fast because you can go hypoglycemic. Uh, and then I also recommend measuring with Precision Extra uh, from Abbott as well as the Freestyle Libre glucose monitor. Cool. Yeah, I, I just have a question before we do get off now because you brought it up. But when you're going that long-term fasting, what's the difference in the benefits that you're going to get if you're going, let's say, three, four, five days? Is it a huge difference compared to if you're just doing intermittent fasting every day? Have you seen that um, in the research? Yeah. I, I do believe that there is more research on immune system regeneration with extended fasting. Yeah. But how often you need to do this is the question. I think most people think that um, an extended fast probably should be done too much longer than once a quarter. However, I know people who do it regularly and are just perfectly healthy. So, yeah, just yeah. kind of experiment and see what, what works best for you, I guess. And get your labs done. Just get yeah, your labs get your done, labs and, done and, sure. and really, really have someone helping you figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, listen, thank you for, for fitting in just a little bit of time to come in and talk about fasting. I, I do really appreciate that. Uh, sounds like it's getting busy back there behind you. Uh, yep. <laughs> you got someone waving in the background. Uh, so listen, if, if someone wants to follow you and kind of learn from you and continue on with, with the journey that you're, you're sharing, how do they do that? Yeah. Find me at both Instagram, D R M O L L Y dot co. And the same thing for my website. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes for those of you listening on the podcast. So you can just click and you can, and you can find Molly from there. But listen, Molly, thanks again. Uh, enjoy uh, you know, doing your, your videos. I think that you have to go back to right now. Uh, but really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come out and speak with us here today. Thanks. All right, Molly, you have a great day or night, Bye. I guess. <laughs> See ya. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hell Simple Show. More importantly, I hope you learned something from it. If you did, Leave me a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me.